there's been two or three since I started reviewing movies where they were only showing in the one artsy fartsy theater down in, you know, <laughs> Atlanta in, in Buckhead or in Lenox Square, you know. Yeah. Dodge this. I am the father. I'm here on a mission of mercy. There's only one God, man, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Let's put a smile on that face. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the real world. This is episode 110 of the Movie Bite podcast. We're going to talk today about some movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and more. We're recording on Tuesday, October the 28th, 2014. I'm TJ, your host, as always, and joining me today, as always, is the man, the journalist, the legend. He exposes the dark secrets your government does not want you to know about. It is Joe Darnell. Hey, TJ. Good evening. Good evening, Joe. How is how is the journalistic mm. business going? It's it's going great when uh, people aren't you know stealing my motorcycle, which makes me really sad. Or uh, if I'm not getting a seasonal cold, I, you know, it's yes. pretty good. That's really been going around. Um, and uh, the unfortunate thing for me, if you hear me clearing my throat or coughing, is I'm not sure like if I caught a second cold or if it's a comeback. The other one, it feels different, and it hasn't incapacitated me or or my voice, but it's. It's like I've had a relapse. So <sighs> climate control, TJ. That's all I can say. Climate control. Yeah, we need more climate control. Okay. Uh, sure. How do I how do I come by such a thing? Mm, you just uh, you know gotta get worldwide air conditioning and heating going on. We need to support that bill. Get it passed. If we could just pass a bill, it would just fix it, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I think we should move on to something that's more interesting to our listeners. You know, we have listeners. Did you know about those? Whoa, like uh, <laughs> there are, all there, three, right? There are you, people, me, and uh, the other guy. Yeah, 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 the other guy. Uh, th- there are people listening to this right now who want to hear us talk about movie news, movie reviews, and trailers, and more. That that thing that I say. So we should probably dive in to something pretty sweet and juicy. Yeah, um, well, let's. Well, I, you know, this one came out of nowhere, TJ, in the last week. Uh, this one was really exciting news, so we shouldn't uh, delay it any further. That's right, and I'm going to play... No just more a, delays, TJ. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer for Avengers Age of Ultron. I'm going to show you something beautiful. Everyone screaming for mercy. You want to protect the world, but you don't want it to change. You're all puppets. Tangled in strings. Strings. So that was a clip from the trailer for Avengers Age of Ultron, the teaser trailer that was released. And it's um, the reason it was released is interesting. 
uh, it leaked online, and uh, Marvel did the smart thing. Instead of trying to shut it down, well, they did try for like an hour to shut it down and, and get it off the internet, because it wasn't supposed to be released until this week, actually. <clears throat> um, yeah, what difference does that make? Did they really... Yeah. I mean, that just sounds like better publicity, if you ask me. So so what they did is they tweeted and and thanked uh-huh. and, and uh, blamed, blamed it on Hydra, and then released the trailer. The official trailer, not the nasty, jittery version, which I was not going to watch. How do you accidentally release it? I mean, uh, how did that happen? I'm not sure. Somebody got a hold of it that shouldn't have. You know, maybe they they trusted somebody they shouldn't have. Uh, it's it's unknown to me how that happened, but it did leak. It was one of those shaky cams, like somebody filmed a film of it. You know, of on on a TV. Oh, really? Okay. Because yes. I thought it was like the the final <laughs> HD copy that somehow wound up on a you know no, Vimeo or something. No, it wasn't. And they were going to re- like it's not that, it's not that big of a deal. And it went to instantly like the most viewed trailer. Like oh yeah, yeah. It, it was just it was crazy. It just took off. I, um, I think I watched it about three million times the first day uh, when I was checking the stats. Uh, within the first twenty four hours, it had like nineteen million plus views yeah. before twenty four hours yeah. were up. Yeah, it's insane. This is the momentum that Marvel has right now. Um, but it's not just it's not just how good Marvel is and it's not just that it was the Avengers. This is a really cool trailer. It is really cool and you know why that is. Pinocchio. Uh um, He's in it. <laughs> it's because of Joss Whedon. You know what it is is everybody's looking forward to see Pinocchio as the 6th Avenger. Okay. Yes, you you, you go with that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's certainly Pinocchio references in here and the strings and, and everything. Uh, why don't you break down the trailer for us a little bit, Joe? I, I, I know you're dying. Yeah, like, I've already sure. written uh, about it a little, but I, you're uh, dying to get your thoughts out there. Oh, okay. Thank you, TJ. <clears throat> Whew, this is exciting. I I felt like it was it was one of those great moments, actually, in movie making for the year because it, it, just, it just hit me sideways. When I saw this trailer, I think it was... Someone like um, this guy I know, this this friend I have that is always talking about movies. He he texted me. Who would that be? Uh, he wears glasses. He lives in Tennessee. Has a new weird. pair on the way. Actually, they should be here in a couple of days. Oh, well, he wears some old glasses, and he was saying, you know, have you seen the trailer yet? So I was like, <laughs> oh craps, I haven't seen it. So I quickly I got the link and I checked it out, and I watched it on my Apple TV. You repaired the damage. HD glory. The damage that was caused by you not having watched it. It was. It was. It was an amazing experience. It was like watching a movie in two minutes. Um, I I kid you not. This trailer was absolutely stunning. Like I have not seen a trailer like this in a long time that could grab me this well. Well, I think it's definitely going to up the stakes. Uh, and we know, I mean, Joss Whedon has done interviews and he's talked about upping the stakes, but this is the first time, like, it's in reach. It's it's believable, like, because we're seeing that the stakes are up. Now, obviously, they can do almost whatever they want in a trailer. In fact, I sometimes the trailers, I will go back after I've enjoyed them in a, in a different frame of mind. I'll go back and I'll watch them more critically and I'll look and I'll see, okay – does this scene really look like it's going to cut together with this scene? No, actually, they're cutting to something that looks like it's a reverse, but it's in a completely different place, and that's not, yeah, I yeah. mean, you, you know, that, that sort of thing. all the time. Mm-hmm. They're misleading I, you. I was not, uh, <sighs> well, I did notice the only disappointment was it feels like it's showing you a lot, but it's actually not. It's just showing you very small portions of, of several different characters. Mm-hmm. So you get a glimpse of like two or three iconic Captain America glimpses, 
in the two minutes. But that's like all the time they had for him. And the same thing goes for Iron Man and everybody else. Yeah. Tony Stark is like the only character who has a line in it besides the bad guy. And there were several clips where you get to see Iron Man suiting up in this Hulk-sized Iron Man suit on top of his Iron Man suit. And that was very impressive. But that was actually the most... It got the most screen time in the trailer. Which, you know, just goes to show you again that this is a teaser trailer. And considering how stunning it was, I'm really surprised that this was a teaser trailer. I mean, like, I was not expecting it to be that good. As a teaser. Well, it, it makes me wonder how the next trailers can live up to this one. And if they'll try. It is interesting how um masterfully th- this trailer was put together in my estimation I-, I mean we watch all kinds of trailers and i think we lose appreciation for the art of 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 putting together a trailer at least i do but even even in that state of mind even where i lose that appreciation i really can appreciate this trailer because it did a fantastic job of getting me and everyone else that i know i literally had several people texting me i'm sure you saw the trailer but oh my goodness oh wow and it did a fantastic job of amping us up and not really showing us anything. Do we, what do we know that we didn't know before? Not much. That it's going to be a bit more epic. It's, it felt like the one message conveyed was, hey, this is just not the same song, second verse, people. The, the, don't, this is not going to be the same experience you had with the Avengers or Winter Soldier. This is going to be an altogether new level. And you felt that that kind of epic, you know... Well, and that's that's another interesting point. It feels like every film now, Marvel is uh, bringing bringing it up another notch. Like we saw that with Iron Man, where basically he he blew up his entire you know uh, spoiler alert he blew up his entire arsenal of Iron Man, right? And and the same thing with Captain America, where we we destroyed Shield. Like Shield now has to be rebuilt. Shield is no more, and we're rebuilding it in Agents of Shield. I don't know if you're watching that. It's fantastic. Um, so Shield, Shield is being rebuilt, but I mean, like Shield was like an integral part of the universe. So every film now, it feels like they're introducing a new level of epic. I don't know, frankly, I don't know how long they can keep this up, but it'll be interesting to see how long they can. At some point, they're going to have to shift and do something different. Um, it is interesting. Uh, I should pull up the tweets. Um, uh, today was a Marvel event, right? Um, and they announced like their entire lineup up through was it 2020 or something. Um. So they announced uh, oh. Captain America 3. Um, uh, there's no date with that yet. There is a date, but that's further up this timeline. It's the first one to come next. Uh, November 4th, 2016 will be Doctor Strange. Uh, May 5th, 2017, New Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, July 28th, 2017, Thor. Uh, November 3rd, 2017, Black Panther. Uh, you know, June, July 6th, 2018, Captain Marvel. Uh, you know, and just on and on. So... It feels like, and it, oh, it's, this is all leading up to and culminating with um, the Avengers three and four, Infinity War. It's going to be a two part film um, in in two thousand eighteen and two thousand nineteen. It's 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 going to be. I mean, they're leading up to all this epicness. Basically, they're they're continuing to build this thing like through phase three, and they've had this plan, I guess, for a while, at least in rough form. So it's it, there's definitely a lot going on. But as epic as this trailer is, uh, this Age of Ultron trailer, like, where can they keep going? Yeah, you know, you just made me think about that before you said it, because you run the course, and maybe by 2018, you've completed Phase 3, you've even gone into maybe Phase 4. But then, what next? Do you just do one great big fantastic reboot? You know, do you 
decide that the star of all the ongoing reboots is going not going to be Iron Man. No, this time we're going to, you know, emphasize Thor. He's going to get to the limelight. I mean, what do you do to make it different when you do reboot? Because you know they're going to reboot. Because they, they are already in the rebooting process. <laughs> you know, mm. we got the Hulk rebooting. I don't want to say the Hulk is if, rebooted. It's supposed to be the same character in the same storyline. They just they, they couldn't yeah, get what's his name it. back, Edward Norton. I don't buy that. There, there's okay. a night and day difference but, but between. There's a night uh, and day difference between them, but it's the same storyline. It's the same. Yeah, the actors are different, but it's the same story. Like it is the same Hulk that we saw Edward Norton play. It's the same uh, continuity. Yeah, that's what they said about Superman Returns. No, they never said that about Superman Returns. No, they said it was a continuation of the original Christopher Yes, but Reef loose, film. a loose continuation, not an exact, this is the story. Oh. Sorry, I, I have to, I have to uh, disagree with okay. you. That's okay. All right, you want to talk about something else? No. No, I'm not oh, done okay. with this yet. Oh, sorry, sorry. Continue. Um, what, what Joss Whedon things have you watched? Uh, my, well, the uh, Dollhouse was my favorite of his TV shows. Mm, interesting. Yeah, and I didn't get into the vampires. I, I saw a couple oh, of episodes man. of Buffy, but it is what it is. It's not bad. It's just not my thing. I still think overall Buffy is the best work that Joss Whedon has, has done, um, probably just because it lasted so long and he was able to really lay out a vision for those seven years. But Buffy is a fantastic TV show. Angel was really good, too. I uh, interestingly, uh, it's interesting that you say Dollhouse. I never could get into Dollhouse. I want to. I want to go on and finish it. I watched like three episodes, and I felt like the premise was flawed, like because we could never really get into the character because she was always a different character. Um, but I like that because that was part of you know the. Well, I don't. I guess it was the conceit of the show, but it was. I, it, I didn't mind if the character didn't have as much screen time. Right. Then there's a signature work of Joss Whedon, at least to most nerds and geeks and, and, and whatever you want to call us, um, and that's Firefly, which we I, I believe would have been his best work had it been allowed to go on, but the network really messed things up, um, and the show eventually got canceled because the network aired, did stupid stuff like aired out of order and, and you know wouldn't air it for you know there's big gaps. Were and, all of his shows straight to Fox, or was that the only one? No, uh, yeah. Um, I think that was the only one that was on Fox. No, well, Doll, was, what was Dollhouse on? I think, I think that was, I think it was I think, ABC. I, I really don't know. But it didn't last more than two seasons either. Yeah, and the second season was short, was it not? Oh, Dollhouse was also on Fox. So I think after two, maybe maybe he's done with Fox. Uh, Buffy, I don't remember what network it was on, but it was not one of the main networks. Buffy Network. UPN. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's not a small network. It's... uh. Oh, and then it was on UPN for a while, and then it was on the WB. Okay, because that's what I remember. See, the the uh, UPN back in the day was just one of those stations we could barely pick up with an antenna. Mm. So anyway, um, obviously this is all applicable because Joss Whedon. Uh, obviously, we've we've both seen uh, the Avengers, which Joss Whedon did. This really feels like like the first Avengers. Yes, it feels Whedony in many ways. There was many Whedon lines in it. This feels like, if the trailer is to be believed, like this is Joss Whedon like without the training wheels because he'd never done a big feature film like the Avengers before. And it feels like they were really happy with the product. And they said, here you go, Joss, make us another movie. And it doesn't, it feels like something Joss Whedon would do, right? I mean, he really loves to dig in and like you saw this over and over again in Buffy, like he would eventually resolve things, but he really loved to dig in and make us feel the pain of his characters at times. And I feel like that's where we're going in Avengers too. And he's, he's even said as much that, um, 
we're going to feel the the pain that that these people are in. Like he's really going to tighten the screws and and you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, make it a tearjerker about superheroes. Yes, yes. I think that's where we're headed. Um I I will be surprised if my eyes remain dry throughout um Age of Ultron. And I I really don't remember um, any, any, uh, can I, can, can a man use the word crying? I, I, I don't even remember any of the wet eyes, uh, in the first Avengers. It's been a while since Me I've seen neither, it. Me neither, not really, no. Yeah, which I, I, th- I was really impressed and I, I really got into it and I really connected with some of the characters, but it wasn't that kind of emotional. Right. Which was surprising to me because I don't of think... Of Joss Whedon's record, right? It, yes. It was tough for that, yeah. I don't think there's a single thing. Now, Now again, he didn't make me... Well, he didn't make me cheer up in every single Buffy episode, but it happened quite a lot over the series. And so you'd think in a feature film that would be in there somewhere. So it, I, I think we will see that here. I think it'll be here. And that's fine. I'm, I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I mean, I, I don't... You know, manly men, whatever, mm. don't like to cry or whatever. But I, I like mm. to emotionally connect with my characters on that level. That's what I'm saying. Did you ever watch Smallville? Um, I started to. I don't know why I quit because I wanted to yeah. like watch it and be a part of the culture. I, things I think just got in my way. This was before oh, Movie okay. Byte. I started to watch it, and there were just other things that came up. And it's still, I think, in my Netflix queue or somewhere. So yeah. If you had kept on watching it, it would have been called Small Bite, and that would have been a very different show. But anyway, Joss <laughs> Whedon didn't make that the television series, so it's neither here nor there. Yeah, I'm not sure why you're bringing it up. Um, what is this link? You linked to a Facebook page? Yeah. Oh. That's dude. the, uh, because we were talking about how you watched the, uh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. You told the whole world. <laughs> yes. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah I'm, anyway. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm done now. Okay. Well, um, interesting. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not trying to gloss over it. By any means, this is the best trailer I've seen all year. Really, Joe? Because I was feeling a little glossed over, man. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it's just this stupid cold. I can't think straight. I'm, I'll have to read everything. Where's my script? Ah, uh, anyway. Okay, so Amazon Fire Stick is nineteen dollars today. Yeah. Well, when by the time people hear this, it's that'll be over. But if you're a Prime subscriber for the last two days, you've been able to fi- buy the new Amazon Fire Correct. Stick for nineteen dollars. Yeah. Mine so. is on, mine is on order. And, and does that mean it's pre-order? Yes, it is pre-order. It ships on November the 19th. So you expect to have it for Christmas, right? You're going to give it to your old pal Joe Darnell. Uh, I'm afraid not. You you wouldn't appreciate it anyway. You don't you don't want anything to do with it. No, no. So DJ, please explain to me why I would want one more interconnecting device, Wi-Fi internet device. Well, to my for television. me, this is going to replace my Apple TV. Um, I know that this is a sore subject with you for me. No, no. On, on. I, I'm, what I'm trying to understand, like this has come up and I, I hear these people that buy an Apple TV, they buy the Amazon Prime thing, they may even wound up with a Google TV at some point and when they try them all, they're like, you know, eh, well, Redbox is better than this, but Roku has that, and ultimately Amazon Prime has Prime and I already get Prime, so everything's free on Prime, right? Because it's Prime, so therefore I'm going to use Prime. And I, I don't get it because I get the impression that these people don't care to have one central location where all of their library is kept, but that's something that's kind of important to me because I want to have just one place to search when I want to go watch my entertainment. And I'd like to simplify my life and have one, one account that controls everything. If I can help it, you know, I've already bought into the Apple ecosystem. I've been using iTunes for years. And before I got an Apple TV, I already had several movies and television shows in iTunes. So how exactly do you, you know, 
gloss over that. Like, I cannot understand the appeal of making a switch so, because it's more convenient. Because ultimately, I don't think in the long run it's it's very good for archival. That's true. I, I will agree with you there. Um, I don't know if iTunes is a great archival system either, but we can we can talk about that in a minute. So here's here's the reasons why I've been disillusioned with my Apple TV. Apple in general. Um, I feel like has been doing a really poor job with channel management. Like every week, it seems like they push a new channel to the Apple TV and it just appears on my homepage. And if I had let all those apps stay on the homepage, yeah, the thing would, it would take forever to navigate with that little remote. Click, 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 click. Oh, there it is finally down at the bottom. And so they put, and they push these things out and, um, they appear on my home screen. They don't ask me, Hey, are you interested in, in, uh, this, uh, channel from the city and yonder place? Like, I, I don't want it. I don't, I don't want it there. And so you can go in and you can disable all those channels and you have to do that about once a week or they just start cluttering up your home screen. It's retarded. Um, I'm, I'm a nerd and it's still irritating and hard to find and navigate to the preferences and turn off the channel that's, you know, the list of channels is getting longer and longer and longer that you have to get to. Um, yeah, you know, on Apple TV, there are 50 channel apps. <clears throat> I counted them the other day. It's crazy. So that's that's the first thing that's been irritating me. It's just like they're doing a really poor job of this channel management. Like when there's a new one, maybe throw up a notification and say, hey, do you want it? Yes, no. No, I don't want it. Goodbye. Um, and, and, and make it more of like a store thing where you can go and say, hey, okay, I do want access to this channel. Turn it on. Whatever. I don't care. So that's that's dumb. Navigation on the Apple TV has just – it just really sucks. Um the, 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 first of all, the provided remote is just like too minimal. Like this is Apple's ideals gone awry. I, I like Apple's ideals, but, but they've sacrificed functionality for minimalism. And it's just, it's, and it's, uh, it's sucky. Um, it, it, you know, there are buttons that do different things on different screens. Um, and, and it just, it just irritates me. And the other thing is like it's IR. And so it has to be line of sight. And, you know, just where my TV sits, sometimes it's really like I really have to make it, you know, see the IR port. It's just frustrating. Um, and I don't understand. You're saying your Apple TV device has to be in close proximity to the remote? It's, it's line of sight because it's infrared. So your uh, remote okay, and your for Apple a there, TV. I was thinking like you were saying that the computer that has your iTunes library no, no, connection no. had to be in line of sight. No, no, okay. no I'm talking about the remote. Um, okay. the Apple TV is slow. Uh, sometimes when I go to Netflix and I try to browse movies, I have to wait for the artwork to load. Um, and it takes forever and there's no text telling me what movie it is. And I'm waiting for the cover to load in. And, and I don't know why it takes forever because my internet is super fast. Uh, same thing happens with Hulu. I have to wait an ordinate amount of time for streaming to begin sometimes. Um, the Apple TV continues to not work with Amazon prime. There's no Amazon prime app and more and more of my things that I'm watching are from Amazon Prime, because as Netflix seems to lose more and more of the archival TV shows that I want, Amazon Prime has those, and I've been, like right now, I'm finishing up Warehouse 13. I really love that show. That's on Amazon Prime, and I have to connect my computer to my TV to get Amazon Prime because Apple refuses to work with Amazon Prime because it's a competition to them, you see, um, which which is not very customer. They're not thinking about their customer. Um, the Apple Are TV, prices competitive between <clears throat> Apple TV's selection and the Amazon selection? Typically, Amazon's cheaper, or, or the, the same or cheaper, usually. Um, then the final bullet point that I had here is that app, the Apple TV has connection issues, serious connection issues. Like, I have a good network, I have good internet, and sometimes it just, like, loses the stream, It just and it just quits working, and, it, and it's frustrating. It's just really frustrating. None okay, of my other no, you devices know, Everything you're saying, I, I believe to be true. You know, I'm, I'm not going to uh, disagree that the Apple TV is somehow superior and it doesn't break down. What are you talking about, TJ? Uh, I think you're right about your um, complaints. The only thing is that, to me, this is not something I prioritize and say, 
you know, the, the shortcomings are so poor that I need to run out and buy another device. But, uh, well, I mean, I know, didn't, I didn't uh, run out and buy another $99 device. This went on sale for 20 bucks. You can't that go That is impressive. And that is really, yeah, that is hard not to buy. So you're saying the whole kit and caboodle, if you want the device that will give you all the Amazon prime television on your TV, it's only $20. Right. It, like from end to end. So it's not like you need the remote and that's $19 no, it comes with the remote. and then the box now, or it, the thumb drive that's something else. It is a lesser remote than the full Fire TV comes with. That's like the main difference is this comes with a um, a remote that does not have a voice search, which I don't see using that much because typically with my streaming services, I have my cues all set up from my computer. Oh, really? I, that's all? That's the only missing feature? As far as I can tell. I did a lot wow. of comparison. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I mean, wow, obviously, the stick deal. is not quite as powerful. It doesn't have as much onboard memory, and it doesn't store things locally as much, um, et cetera, et cetera. But it's still, yeah, much more powerful than the Apple TV. It has more onboard memory than the Apple TV. It has a much faster processor. It has a dual core processor. It's crazy. Um, so I'm not going to have to wait on it like I do the Apple TV. So the the first bullet point under why I went ahead for twenty bucks and got this Fire TV, which I've been looking at for a while and going, man. When my, you know, I've got the Apple TV, I can't justify this, but if I ha- if I were to buy a device right now, right now, if Apple doesn't update their Apple TV, it would be a Fire TV. So the Fire TV includes all the streaming media options that I'm interested in, save one, which is Apple iTunes. Uh, and I don't like, I, I've purchased, actually purchased like five or six movies and I, I, you know, I still have the Apple TV. I can still get to it if I want to. I don't watch them that often because you buy a movie and then you're done with it for a while. Um, yeah, see, that's the thing is I'm actually going uh, through a, a spell where I'm <clears throat> introducing my younger brother and sister to a lot of the movies, my favorite movies, that they have never got around to. And uh, there are a lot of those movies that well, I already had in iTunes. So I, I'm I'm really eating it up. I'm really enjoying it. We're getting a lot of mileage out of the Apple TV, but I can completely understand where you're coming from. Here's I mean, the- it doesn't sound like you really want to have your media library locally on your computer and be able to access it from your television. That's just not very important to you. Well, want and ability are two different things. Like I can't afford it. Um, and, and I do actually have an extensive library on my, um, on a hard drive, uh, that is served via over my network via iTunes. I don't dip into it that often. Um, the kids mostly watch, uh, things that are on Netflix or Hulu these days or Amazon prime when they do, when I do let them watch a little TV, uh, and the things that I watch are all coming from streaming services. Like those movies that I bought on iTunes, they're all available on Amazon Prime or Netflix. Um, well, I'll admit there is another appeal here, and that is that I cannot get to Amazon Prime on the Apple TV. Exactly. And there are some pretty good programs that are only available on Amazon that exactly. are not available on Netflix. So like for a long time, the kids really enjoyed the Shaun the Sheep show. And it was available on Amazon Prime, but yep. it wasn't available. Oh, and another one, um, another one I want my kids to watch actually is the classics of uh, Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. Mm. But you can't get that on um, on you know the Apple TV. Yeah, the main thing motivating this, I'll, I'll be honest, is Amazon Prime because like half of the things that I watch come from Amazon Prime, and I have to hook up. So my it's really not computer. the device; it's not the hardware that matters to you. It's, it does. it's about the end game. It's it, it's it about does. your media, the movies, the, and the shows you'll watch. I would. I'm just saying that this is one of the big reasons because it is the hardware too. Like Apple is just not interested in updating the Apple TV. Like they and they've always said it's it's their it's it's their uh, what do they call it the um, their hobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're making a lot of money off of their hobbies. <laughs> oh, so. I know. So, so that's like, I, I don't have a lot of interest or I don't have a lot of invested in uh, purchased iTunes library content. 
Um, and so when I do want to go rent a movie, it's always the same or cheaper on Amazon Prime. So with an Amazon Prime device, I'll go that route instead of renting on iTunes. Like it's so it's going to be the same one way or the other, right? Um, I still have the Apple TV. I can still get access to it if I need it. Um, most of my other content is through Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon Prime. Fire TV has all those. Uh, Apple TV doesn't. Um, you know, uh, let's see what were some of the other things. Uh, the, the Fire TV has a Bluetooth remote. You don't have to have line of sight. In fact, you can be in another room if it came down to it. You know, you can have the remote in your pocket while you're waiting for a Hulu Plus commercial to be done and you're in the kitchen fixing popcorn. And then when you hear it come back on, you can pause it and, you know, you're good to go. You don't have to be line of sight. You don't have to fiddle with it. Um, there are a few more buttons on the remote, but not a lot. So it's still some, you know, it's not unsightly, but it, it, navigation is much easier. Um... Every every geek that I've read that has even people who have been like like I was in the past big on the Apple TV they say the Fire TV just blows it away, and and like I said nineteen bucks like it's a no brainer go buy the thing. Okay, so yeah, you know you actually sold me on it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, if you want to order it for nineteen bucks, you got to do it before midnight. Okay, <clears throat> we better hurry up. Yeah, so let's uh, let's go. So I mean, so you put this in the show notes. So you're the one who wanted me to go on this rant. Oh yeah, I, mean, I wanted to have a better explanation. Like, um, I think that like so many other people out there, we know that the technology from Amazon is available, but we don't know why we would buy it and why we wouldn't just pick up the, the thing that's at Walmart or Best Buy. You know, because yeah. those are something we can touch and feel and we can test drive before we make the purchase. And as long as it's out of sight and out of mind, you know, I'm not a very big Amazon customer. So I, I just don't get into the store very much and browse and, you know, check out their latest and see what, why they, you know, they're selling these things. So to me, it just looked like, oh yeah, you know that what Google's up to? Guess what? We do that too. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. To some, to some extent, so, like, like yeah. their, 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 uh, their phone, the fire phone, awful. I would never have that thing. And, and this is the thing, like I, I, you know, when, when it's coming from me, um, I know you've been on me lately for being anti-Apple, but I'm not. I love Apple, and I, I still think that the Mac, for instance, is the best computer you can buy, even though I feel like it's in decline, even though I feel like Apple's not doing well with their software. The hardware certainly is the best thing you can buy, um, and and I still feel like the iPhone is the best phone you can buy, and I wasn't a, pro- a proponent. I defended Apple on the Apple TV for a long time, but I've just gotten to the point where I can't do it anymore. I can't justify it, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Well, that that wraps that one up. I it understand does. more clearly. Yes. So, uh, in other news, we have the Hunger Games catching fire is now on Netflix. So, yes. hurry up and get your Amazon Fire, and you can watch it. Yes, or you can watch. Netflix is available on the Apple TV. You can watch on the Apple TV. Or oh, okay. Roku so or, the Apple TV works for something, I guess. Yes. No, it does. I guess. It's, oh, awful. Get it out of here. Don't want it. Don't want it. It's disgusting, Joe. I don't want it. <laughs> so yes, the Hunger Games catching fire now available on Netflix. Um, and I, you know, this is this is a good thing. I I really think that this film is better in every way than the first one, and I like the first one just fine. Um, and and we talked about this on the Movie Bite podcast episode number seventy. Uh, this was me and Chad and uh, Fizz. Um, so I don't know what you just put in the show notes. Well, I put it in there for a reason. I'll talk about it after the show. Okay, okay. So we'll get to that. I also this was when I was experimenting with video, which I at some point in the future of Movie Bite I want to bring back, but it's just time consuming to write the script for bite-sized, but I did a bite-sized episode on this, uh, movie, a bite-sized episode four. both of these links will be in the show notes. Um, hunger games is a great film. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, a war. No, yeah, that's the thing is I think that it gets a bad rap for being, uh, targeting young, you know, adults. Does it get a bad and, rap? I've never heard anybody talk. I, no, I, I think it does film. from the more critical audience. I, mm. I think that 
you know, the, the people who like to think that they're, you know, intelligent elites are going to be like, hmm, Cadmus Aberdeen, oh, that's not good enough for me, you know, or whatever it is. You know, it's just, you know, I get that attitude from a lot of people who, you know, got their, their nose up in the wind. Well, I'm uh, I'm going to Rotten Tomatoes right now uh, and, and double-checking you here. The critics are at 89%, Joe. 90%. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not talking about <laughs> legitimate critics. I'm talking about the people who just criticize. Eh, I mean, yeah, sure. It could be. They, um, they, they seem to be louder than uh, the, the majority of people who like this film series. Uh, I've, I've just not heard it though. Um, yeah. The first film and, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with some of these people on the first film. Like I had some issues with the first film. I think that the director, uh, Gary Ross, um, he, he took some, some, he, he, his, his direction was not as good as it, it should have been. Uh, there were some things that he decided that were not good. The Hunger Games Catching Fire corrected all that and it had a better story. It's probably the best book in the series. Even though I feel like the books are kind of poorly written, I think they do much better as a film story. Uh, and I'm just – I'm really happy with the way Catching Fire turned out. So that's why I felt it worthy of linking to on um, uh, Movie Bite. Okay. Interesting. I, I'm glad to see it's up there. I need to watch it now. Yeah, you, you were – that was on your – that was during your hiatus. So you never it's did It's on my to-do it. list. Yeah. It's, you got to see it, man. It's really good. I do recommend watching the first one first uh, to refresh your memory because the first one's good. It's just oh not no, I've good. seen the first one two or three times. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's it's a, it's in, still in the data database up in my memory banks. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, you definitely need to watch it and report back. Okay, and I will. Thank you, sir. Now, what is this? You, baseball you've got thing? you've had a lot of good you know updates to the Movie Byte website lately, TJ. So yes, th- thank you for you know posting these good links. You're uh, you're stroking my ego, man. Mm-hmm. What, what 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 are you what are you buttering me up for? Uh so uh, what is the name of your website again? Uh, uh, uh bite movie? I just movie uh, uh movie bits? I I don't know. Uh, I can't remember either. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, okay, um so we have something a little bit different this week. TJ, uh you forgot to see if this movie that we are going to review was in theaters in your area. Well, here, okay, so here's what happened. I, I have to defend myself. I watched the trailer, and it said October 10th at the end of the trailer, and it just said uh, rele- in theaters October 10th. And I, I think I even looked it up. Like, I didn't look up tickets, but I looked up the release date on Fandango. Oh, yeah, there you go. Blah, blah, blah. It's going to be available. It's going to be available, right? Uh, so it would be no big deal. So we just scheduled it. I never did follow up until I was ready to buy my tickets. Um, the day I was going to watch it and I went to buy tickets and what do you know, not a theater within a hundred miles is selling ticket there is, is showing this film. I can't see this film unless I was willing to yeah. drive to Georgia. Sure. My golden snitch tells me other, uh, differently, TJ. So. What? What do you mean? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, surely there's something, some theater, somewhere. So, so I even looked at our little little theater that shows the limited releases up in, at the Belcourt in Nashville. It's not showing it either. But no, it stars no. Jeremy Renner in, you know, uh, what's that? The, what's that lady? Okay, Rosemary um, something. Kill the messenger limited release. I'm going to Google this right now. This is sad. The movie didn't feel like a limited release. Kill the Messengers and American. Da, 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 why why show the trailers in in all these theaters if you're going to make it a limited release? Uh, why don't uh, I saw weird. trailers for this movie in theaters that weren't going to show it? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. It's it's a little that weird. I'm sure me. it'll come eventually. Um, it says on Fandango limited, and then I click on my zip code. And I say movie times and tickets. I enter my zip code and I say go. 
and nothing, 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 nothing. Got nothing. So, so yes, I made a I made a terrible error, and so I texted you, and you're like, "Dude, I've already seen it." No, actually, I was in the theater when you texted me. Oh, <laughs> you were taking my up. text during the what, what? What were you doing, man? Well, it was, my phone was just sitting right there. <sighs> well, anyway, so I'm going to get the scoop from you, and you're going to tell us about yes, this film. So, right. before we move on, let us play a clip from the trailer for Kill the Messenger. Gary Webb, San Jose Mercury News. You believe in conspiracy theories, Gary? No, I don't believe in conspiracy theories. Conspiracies, yes. If I believe it, there's nothing theory about it. Was the government aware that you were smuggling tons of cocaine into the United States? Yes, the government knew. This leads to very sensitive national security matters. National security and crack cocaine, the same sentence. Does that not sound strange to you? I'm going to tell you the whole truth. I'm going to introduce you to people you should talk to. And then you will be faced with the most important decision of your life. Oh, yeah? What's that? Deciding whether to share it or not. One of the DEA's most wanted brought in thousands of kilos of cocaine to the U.S. every day. For them. For who? The U.S. government. Or with them. Or at least while they were looking the other way. Jesus. L.A., New York, Atlanta. I couldn't sell it fast enough to keep up with supply. Fancy information you have there. So that was from uh, the trailer for Kill the Messenger. It was released on October the 10th in limited fashion, as we've already discussed. Uh, and this is me with angry, uh, angry emoji. <laughs> I really want to see this film, and I will eventually see it when it comes to my area. It had a budget of $5 million, so it was kind of a small film. Um, I didn't realize the budget was that small. Opening weekend, it brought in 941000 uh, uh, 941.8. $941,809. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say. The worldwide gross is $2 million, uh, $2.2 million. Which um, uh, means that this film is a bomb. Well, except that it's in limited release. It's like uh, 100 theaters. Yeah, I know. But it, I don't know how you got to even. see it. I don't know how you got to see it, man. Yeah, there was just a one theater around here, actually. Mm. And that uh, didn't the, raise any red flags to you? Well, there, it, was, uh, it was only 15 minutes away. Then there was a couple others on other parts of the Atlanta area, which is better than other limited releases I've encountered before. Mm. There's been two or three since I started reviewing movies where they were only showing in the one artsy fartsy theater down in <laughs> you know Atlanta in in Buckhead or in Lenox Square, you know. Yeah. So you know I wasn't too concerned, but then when you texted me, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So um, the critic consensus is that Kill the Messenger's potent fury over the tale of its real real life subject overrides its factual inaccuracies and occasional narrative stumbles. The director is Michael Siusta. Siusta. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I'll buy that. Uh, Nick Shaw uh, and Gary Webb and Peter Landsman wrote the film. The stars are Jeremy Renner as Gary Webb. Um, he was no, he's known for the Avengers and Born Like a Sea, and there's probably a couple other things I'm forgetting at the moment. Oh, he was in uh, Mission Impossible um, uh, Ghost Protocol. Uh, Rosemary, Rose, Rosemary, 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 I think, DeWitt as Sue Webb. Do you have any better pronunciation on that? Uh, no. Rosemary. Yeah, it, could, it could be either way. It's, Rosemary, Rosemary. Well, I think if it was Mary, it'd be a Y. It's an IE on the end. So it's Rosemary, I think. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Anna Simmons, uh, Joshua Close as Rich Klein, and Oliver Platt as Jerry Sipos. <clears throat> why do people have to have names? That, go ahead. Why do people have to have such crazy names? What is it? What, I, know, what, I was about to say, like, there's a two or three different names there that we need to add to the list of people who shall not ever be mentioned again. Yes. 
The, uh, the people who will not be named. Yes, yes. The composer uh, was Nathan Johnson. He's best known for his work on the Looper soundtrack. Joe, tell us about this story. Yeah, since, uh, okay, the, re- the rest of this is going to be me talking and you listening. Yes, it so is. So what we have here is a storyline. Uh, two-time Academy Award nominee Jeremy Renner, who's best known as Hawkeye in The Avengers, leads an all-star cast in a dramatic thriller based on the remarkable true story of Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Gary Webb. In the year 1996, Webb stumbles onto a story which leads to the shady origins of the men who started the crack epidemic on the nation's streets and further alleges that the CIA was aware of major dealers who were smuggling cocaine into the U.S. and using the profits to arm rebels fighting in Nicaragua. Despite warnings from drug kingpins and CIA operatives to stop his investigation, Gary Webb keeps digging to uncover a conspiracy with explosive implications. His journey takes him from the prisons of California to the villages of Nicaragua to the highest corridors of power in Washington, D.C., and draws the kind of attention that threatens not just his career, but his family and and his life itself. So TJ, this movie that uh, you know I cannot ask you about. Um, no, so, I have TJ, a few questions for you if you stumble and, and don't. Yeah, run sure, out of things sure. Talking about, I, but right, I wanna, see, this is this is the point in the show where I usually say, "So TJ, what do you think of this film?" Well, I, I think that, that I want to like it when I see it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, this was one of those films I, I wasn't too sure about. The trailer looked like it was trying to be uh, that. Um, like one of those movies from the seventies or something like the trailer told me you're going to like this because it's a period film. And I was like, well, what's the period? Well, the mid nineties. And I was like, well, why do you look like a seventies movie? Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. And that, that, that did catch my attention from the trailer. It looked like it was trying to be that movie, uh, that came out, uh, that was it called the hustler with Christian Bale and, uh, you know, Bradley Cooper. Uh, I, yeah. Um, the hustle, the American the, hustle, American hustle. There you go. I was gonna yeah, say, that's what it looked like. It was right. trying to be in the trailer. <clears throat> right. It did kind of look that way. You're right. Um, so, but yeah, no, th- this film is not like that at all. Uh, and I-, I wanted to begin with a couple of general observations. So, let me see. Where did my Where did I put my notes? Normally, I would talk while you find your notes, but uh, I got nothing, man. Dude, like we're falling apart. Let's see, movies. Is this it? Is this the show? Sister. Here we go. Uh, general. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, my points here. Uh, I have a couple of observations, CJ. Thank you for your patience. The the movie wants to be taken as seriously as the upper echelon of investigative journalism in America. And that was something that just kept screaming at me throughout the film. At first, I was thinking, oh, okay, we're going to settle into a plot. And so they're introducing this journalist and you see him caring about his business in the office and fiddling with old computers and having to talk on a wired telephone at his desk. (laughs) So they're trying to establish the era. But actually, the film goes beyond that. It feels like the kind of movie my grandfather would have enjoyed for this reason, because it all hinges on just the facts. The the movie wants to convince you that the story you're seeing is basically non-fictional. And, you know, that's the kind of thing my, that my grandfather, uh, you know, God bless his soul, uh, watched n- nothing. He watched nothing in his life, TJ, besides the news and into his ripe old age. <laughs> like, it, it was the most bizarre thing as a child. I got him once to watch Toy Story because I was 
absolutely obsessed with it when I was a kid. And he, I got him to watch that, and he uh, he just cracked up that the toys were talking and moving. <laughs> but besides that, it was like Tom Brokaw and Peter Jennings the rest of the time. Oh, my. And that's what wow. Kill the Messenger feels like it was made for. It feels like it was made for the older baby boomer demographic. And it's so straightforward that it feels more like a visual journal of the news writer Gary Webb than it feels like a motion picture from entertain for entertainment value. Mm. Interesting. Um, that was the first thing that struck me. And, and, you know, like with a lot of these, um, historical, you know, based on a true story movies, they try to sens- sensationalize it and jazz it up. But this was one time I just did not see that happen m- very much anyway. Um, so because the film seems so anti-fiction, it feels light on creative license. And if there are details that can't be backed with historical documentation, the movie leaves those details unresolved. So if you want a clean cut three act story with a setup conflict and resolution, then kill the messenger is just not going to be for you because this is more like a 60 minute special that's delivered by actors. And yet there is, you know, like undoubtedly the changes to the historical events. I don't know what those are because I didn't, for one thing, I didn't read the book. This is based on a, a book that was written by another journalist. And um, yeah, the Wikipedia page that says that there was some f- facts that were obviously changed. But I mean, who, by whose account are they, they going by? I don't know. I think it'd be rather difficult at this point with a story like this to know who you want to believe because the history books haven't been written about this yet. And uh, there's a lot of gray areas in, in uh, what the guy, Gary Webb, had to report and also what everybody else reported about him. So I think it confuses the facts. Well, we know that once the history book comes out, it'll be accurate and and, and just right on. Oh, absolutely. Especially <laughs> Nobody the Nobody changes history books ever. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, especially the ones by the government. Oh, yes, yes. So, you know, um, let me see here. Um, there is an, and undoubtedly changes uh, to the historical events. Um, but where the film takes creative license, it doesn't feel like they were doing it to sens- sensationalize or amplify the story's entertainment value at all. So unlike so many movies that really try to grip you and entertain you along the way, this film, Kill the Messenger, was just going to be a buzzkill. It was going to be, no, 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 this is not, not going to be any nonsense, people. You were just here to learn something from you know your nation's history that you may have glossed over or you may have forgotten. And uh, that's not necessarily good or bad, right? You know, it's still, it's just a a very uh, unusual approach that we don't normally see in theaters. And maybe that was one of the reasons that it was stuck with a limited release in hindsight. Um, I don't know. So, okay. So moving on here, here, uh, what do I, what can I say? Uh, I wanted to actually delve a little bit into the true story about Gary Webb because this is a, a true story, and you know the I, I'd like to know if this movie was really just taking way m- more creative license than it appeared to be. Mm-hmm. So I did my fact checking on Wikipedia, the source of knowledge until that history book is written. Of course, yes, obviously. <laughs> um. So what? Here's what they had to say. Their, their answer to the question of whether or not. You know, Gary Webb's findings about the government and the CIA were true. It says, Webb's reporting generated fierce controversy. Though he was criticized and shunned by the mainstream journalism community, in 2013, Nick Shaw, a journalist writing for the LA Weekly who wrote the book Kill the Messenger, stated that Webb's reportage was eventually vindicated. 
Since his death, mainstream news organizations such as the Los Angeles Times and the Chicago Tribune have reversed course and defended his dark uh, uh, Gary Webb's dark alliance series. Esquire wrote that a report from the CIA Inspector General subsequently confirmed the pillars of Webb's findings. And Geneva uh, Overholzer, who served as the ombudsman for the Washington Post, I have wrote, no idea, man. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, who comes up with these words, DJ? They should just like be banned from the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they wrote that major media outlets, including the Washington Post, had shown more passion for sniffing out the flaws in the Mercury News uh, answer than uh, you know sniffing out a better answer themselves to the facts. So all that convoluted mess on Wikipedia to say, you know, bad grammar, bad grammar, Wikipedia. Got to work on that. Got to get it. So the editors on that um, was to say that, yes, basically what Gary Webb reported was for the, from what we can tell, basically true. And uh, that kind of surprised me because this is a very big deal. Like what was reported in the movie and what basically happened. See, I wasn't reading the newspaper, TJ, back in the mid 90s. No, of course not. But yeah, and you know, so for the, for the Mercury News, it was a newspaper in uh, Los Angeles at the time. I guess it's still there. I don't know. But the Mercury News uh, published the Dark Alliance series by Gary Webb, where he explained how, uh, you know, our government wanted to help out this group of military figures in Nicaragua. So to help them out with their um, fundraising to get their weapons and the like, they helped uh, Nicaraguans smuggle lots and lots and lots of cocaine into America and sell it and then gave all the money back to the Nicaraguans so that they could buy what they wanted to run their war. And yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. So anyway, it's just uh, very disturbing and one of the great reason to make a movie about it. Okay. So likes, likes TJ. Uh, There was a couple of things I really did like about this movie. Um, admittedly, it wasn't at all what I was expecting. Mm. So, you know, what I was honestly expecting was a film trying to be more dynamic and uh, dialogue heavy, but it, it didn't go there. So, uh, like Peter Travers, another film critic said, I came across this on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. He said, it's oversold and underreported, but Kill the Messenger f- flies high on Jeremy Renner's All Stops... <coughs> Out performance as 1990s era journalist Gary Webb. Flaws aside, the film inspires a moral outrage that feels disconcertingly timely. And uh, that is very true. That is something that was really potent about this film was the to the scale at which the uh, CIA was working behind Americans' backs and manipulating uh, taxpayers' funds and doing something very illegal and... Uh, quite contrary to the laws of the country, it it was just horrendous. And so when you're watching the story unfold, it was discreet enough to not like blast the government and just say, Oh, well, that's the American government for you because you know, the the government is all corrupt and there's no one good in this world to run it anymore. Anyways, It, it didn't go into cynicism. It did not go into, uh, the opposite extreme either. It didn't just turn into, you know, a full on Captain America campaign and say, you know, mm. well, rah, rah, America, we can, we can fix this. You know, 
there wasn't any particular character that was going to cover it in rose-colored glasses and say, no, 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 the problem isn't so bad. We can fix this. We just got to fire some people at the CIA and, <laughs> you know, we're good. Um, the truth is that this is this was an astronomical problem and one that you really wanted to be exposed so that some change, change, significant changes would be made. And when you're watching the movie unfold, TJ, that was something that definitely struck me was how much I wanted that kind of restoration, like I wanted America to redeem herself. Right. And that was something that um, the movie carried, it communicated very effectively. I think we all want America to redeem herself on some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so th- that was the first thing I-, I wanted to point out, was that the movie succeeds in its mission. And um, second to that, uh, kudos to Jeremy Renner. Completely, he was convincing as the star in the film. I don't know what the real Gary Webb was like. And uh, there was a clip of him at the very end of the film, and I could see a minor resemblance to him and Jeremy Renner. Mm. But for what it was worth, um, you know, I empathized with his character on screen uh, with Jeremy's version of Gary. He starts out as this journalist that wants to make a living to support his family. And that happens across uh, the same span of time that uh, he comes across the conspiracy that appears to be true. So he's not looking to find a conspiracy, and he's not assuming that anything is true unless he's presented with the same, or sorry, some evidence or testimony. And then Gary makes some tough choices and decides to share his findings in the newspaper because he thinks it's the only thing that he can honestly do. But of course, Gary's findings are incriminating the government and the CIA, so Gary is a whistleblower. They don't really they like them. that. Of course not. And... Even though he is a whistleblower, for for what it's worth, you know that has a horrible connotation in our society. Mm, but not to he, me. I I think you got to be careful with it. It's uh like some people would just uh you know speculate that the whistleblowers are just making it up. But for for what how it was presented, Gary Webb was a good one, morally upstanding at that. So that was kind of uh, exciting as well. The, the premise being centered around Gary Webb was uh, the right way to take it. I think that they could have made this movie about a power play between Gary's character in other ways with people in the CIA, and they could have dwelt too much on other historical uh, people that were a part of our government. But the movie didn't do that. It didn't pit Gary against any one face of the government, and it did not glorify some form of villainy in America. Like what you saw was that Gary Webb was confronted against uh, evil itself and basically intimidation. And the question was, could he beat the, the, the antagonist that was the the shadow, you know, like the, the big government, the intimidation (laughs) and the fear factor of, you know, what can happen to you in the middle of the night? Uh, so really, the the villain out there was a faceless uh, big brother that could you know strike you down at any time. Mm, yeah, uh, that that was the way that it was presented in the film, and I felt that that was very discreet. When it could have been really blown if they had tried to characterize like a, a figurehead at C- the CIA that was someone that you know you all should hate, you know, <laughs> and and they, and they didn't do that thankfully. Uh, there, there was one other thing that struck me about this film that I really did enjoy, TJ, and I didn't think that I would like it at first because this was a subplot, and it was actually kind of troublesome for the first half of the film. I didn't think it would turn out very effectively, but it had a decent payoff, and it was about Gary and his older son 
Ian Webb and everything that they wanted to do together. Uh, Ian lovingly admires his parents, each for their, you know, truly redeeming qualities. And in this one emotional moment late in the film, Ian learns about his father's extramarital affair through the news media. And it happened long before the beginning of the story in the film. And I don't even know if it's true, but the way it's presented in the film, you, you take it to be true. Right. And, uh, but the impact on Ian is as though it just happened in the film because he's a 15 year old boy and he's, he's kind of wet behind the ears and that, which is a good thing. And, uh, when it really hurts him though, it hurts him like in a good way. And, you know, um, Ian's moral outrage and disappointment in his father hits you where it hurts. And then Gary's, uh, you know, surprisingly handles his son with humility and openness, which was really refreshing because I, I didn't expect it to, to develop that direction where it counted. Gary really had it together with his son. And that was a, a unique contrast compared to how Gary's uh, career evolved over the course of the film. So Gary, as as far as it concerned his role as a father, he proved over and over again to be a good one in spite of his faults, and that was kind of you know rather touching. Um, and I could see that it was well executed when it was all said and done, even if it looked like it was just going to be a, a train wreck early on. Um, so really, honestly though, people like I, I've highlighted three likes and a couple observations, but here's the thing: this film is it's really straightforward. And so there's not much else to say in terms of describing the, 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 uh, the filmmaking qualities, you know, they got what they, they got off of a $5 million budget, which is really impressive by modern times. Like you figure all that money just went to the cast. I I don't know. Yeah. How do you make a movie for $5 million and, and a modern movie? I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Like the opening title sequence was rather impressive. That was cool. Besides that, there weren't filmmaking qualities that really stood out. There wasn't an exciting, you know, soundtrack. There were not mind-blowing lines of dialogue. So this is where I'll go ahead and jump into the dislikes. Uh, First of all, you know, this film is not going to get five stars, and these are the reasons why. Where the film really seems to suffer is in all the subplots that surround Gary Webb's family relationships and his career, besides the one with his son. As the film concerns conspiracy, it is a well-told and illuminating cautionary tale. But whenever the scene is about Gary's writing career, his relationship and uh, with his peers, or the behind-the-scenes stuff with his family life, the cloud of events feel insincere and somewhat ineffective. The actors are doing their part, but the story isn't living up to their performances. So the dialogue just kind of hangs from scene to scene, uh, and, and you're not exactly sure if there's actual real progression, like where we saw them in act one is basically where they are deep into act two. And that, and that's not a very good thing. And then come the end of the film, it's basically the same. Um, I didn't like the flow in particular to get to the nitty gritty here though. There, there was the flow of this one subplot that really bothered me. Uh, Gary's family is a large part of the film and you see how his wife handles Gary's choices and how she you know uh, how she handles their difficult circumstances and how Gary's son responds to some of the dangers and embarrassments that uh, come with the exposure to the family and how these details were revealed and unfolded were misleading and awkward at times 
for instance, there was a, a hint to the idea that the webs might get a divorce. Mm. Then there was this time that Gary left the family to live on his own, but where they stood in their relationships and why they felt the need to consider separation was very unclear. So there are choppy scenes that feel as though the actors did their best to say a lot with very little. And you're not exactly sure about the editing either, or the direction of those scenes as they unfold. It's just like, are they about to explain what's really going on here? And then they don't. And that points to the talent of the actors and the shortcomings of the script. It's, it's very clear that the characters are deeply in love, you know, like husband and wife, Mr. and Mrs. Webb, they look like they're getting along fantastically. They're, they're, they have a little bit of jealousy going on in a healthy sort of way. And it's not like they're distant or giving each other the cold shoulder. And so here they are deeply in love with each other and supportive of each other. And Sue Webb hardly had one complaint with her husband Yet Gary leaves the family and feels really bad about a rough spell that they went through 10 years prior to the events of the film. So why are they, they breaking? Why is he, why are they distancing now? It just, it didn't add up to me. And I don't know again, maybe it was historical, but they didn't feel, maybe they felt like they would be crossing the line to make more reveals about the private lives of the web family. But if that's the case, it feels like, as it was, they already divulged more than they, they should probably have gone to. Because if you're going to make your subplots about this family, then really flesh it out when you make it look like this guy is losing everything. Everything is falling apart in his life besides his relationship with his son. So it's uh, it was rather uh, dis- disconcerting, and I, I didn't feel like they did, pulled that off very well. And, and considering that that probably consumed... 40 minutes of the movie at, at, at the least, it, it was just a major disappointment. Um, that, that being the biggest dis- disappointment, my last comment here is that early in the film, there is this one woman that plays a significant role where uh, Gary is learning about the conspiracy in the first place. Her name is Coral Baca, and she introduces Gary to the first pieces of evidence about the conspiracy, and it was... It was, you know, the scene was set up well. It was interesting. You kind of wondered where the heck would this be going? And for the sake of good storytelling, the woman was presented as flirtatious with Gary, like she was looking for an affair. But tonally, though, her representation was inconsistent with the rest of the film. She came across as the one fictional part of an otherwise believable movie, if, if that makes any sense. And so, you know, I just felt like, you know, even if she was characterized authentically, the way in which she was presented felt like she was out in left field for a film that otherwise just had very straightforward people and straightforward events. Um, So she seemed sensational. And because she was the most sensational thing early in the film, everything else that happened afterwards was kind of deflating because there was no excitement. Um, So... Th- that's everything I could say now. And so, um, well, uh, those are my thoughts, TJ. And uh, <laughs> right now it'd be really great to hear what you have to think. Uh, can you, do you want to review my comments and my observations? Well, I had a few questions that I wrote down that I wanted to know about the film. Um, <clears throat> and how, how political, like, like what, what do you think the political message of this film is? I think the message was that the CIA and, uh, yeah, the larger part of folks in, in Washington D.C. need to be held accountable, and they, they need to be they, they need to be 
uh, abiding by the law. Amen. And recognize that they, their leadership is really we the people. Your lips to God's ears. And, and so what happens was there is a circumstance where uh, the vocal minority, uh, the, the people of a particular town where the cocaine was processed and mostly sold, uh, there was outrage the, from the black community in this town. The, the African-Americans got on television and, they, and they, this really happened. They showed real news clips when this had occurred where they were basically outraged and crying out to Washington and saying, what the heck, <laughs> what are you going to do about this? And you know, you, you, you are the reason why our town is in a mess now. And then, uh, you know, the government just didn't have any comment. And then they reached, I'm sorry, they leaked nasty rumors about Gary Webb to change the subject. Right, right, right. And so, so it was very clear to me that it wasn't trying to write a party line. It was just saying, you know, you know, whether you are left or right wing, we should all agree that you know, honesty is the best policy. So you, and this guy is trying to do the honest thing. He is trying to do the one thing that all the we the people should do is that if we have this kind of information, we should tell the rest of the citizens about it. So you think it has appealed both to liberals and conservatives? The, the re- oh, left yeah, and by the right far. Side, I, yeah. I did not see a slant one way or the other. So speaking of drugs, you mentioned drugs. What is the drug message of this film? Because this is one thing where I felt like I may have problems with this film in the message it was trying to convey. Like, is it anti-drugs? Saying, I mean, what's, what's going on here? Well, from what I can tell, the, you know how a, a good movie never tells you point blank what it's about? Of course not. So like, if, if, if you have a movie that gets into something that's a hot topic, like say... Um, abortion. There was a ba- uh, a movie about abortion that came out a few years ago, and I I enjoyed it the way it was handled discreetly, and uh, it was in, involved a soccer player who got to know a, a woman who worked as a hostess in a uh, restaurant in downtown Chicago or someplace like that, and I, I don't remember what major city, but anyway, they they get to know each other, and he starts to be concerned and involved in her life, and through the course of the events. It turns out she is pregnant mm. and, you know, the, the soccer player would like to see her become a, you know, a mother of this child and, you know, for things to work out for the baby. Uh, but through the entire course of the film, uh, abortion is discussed off and on. And uh, what was really amazing about the script was that the movie never actually uh, referred to abortion and never actually point blank spelled out the, uh, the arguments that you would expect from everyday people, like you would hear in the course of, you know, chat at the dinner table between husband and wife, you know, debating various points or maybe the kinds of things you hear on television or at church or, or at school or in the office, Um, you know, like uh, point for point uh, the politics about drugs in the kill the messenger didn't really come up, but it was basically suggested Hey, look, you know, this happened during the Reagan administration and a lot of the Reagan administration was publicly opposed to uh, drugs like cocaine. Yes. And because his wife made such a huge stance and because Reagan did as well, you would expect them to be, you know, have a very high integrity. And during that time, everybody, you know, likes to believe, say what you will about Ronald Reagan and his administration, but you would like to believe that they had integrity. And you come to find out that there is a huge chink in their armor where they're doing something 
uh, really, you know, nefarious behind the scenes, detrimental to everyday people. They're they're taking advantage of Americans to benefit the Nicaraguans, and uh, you know, it's it's you know one of those issues where clearly the government was doing the wrong thing for perhaps the right reasons. Yeah. But you could debate <laughs> those reasons as well on another political issue. But the movie did not decide to go there. It yeah. just basically well, said, you know, you know, here's this war that Nicaraguans were going through and it is what it is. It's just, you know, some Americans cared and some Americans did not. So what did Americans actually do about it though? Well, they did something illegal, and then they tried to cover it up. Well, that's bad. You know, so that, that yes, was how it sure. was addressed, and that's how they tried to discreetly define what was morally uh, – and you know, why they had moral ambivalence. Yeah, and, and when you say um, – you know, sometimes when we say, well, a film – a good film doesn't you know, draw your conclusions for you, but at the same time, that's not to say they're not leading somewhere. They're not trying to draw you to a specific conclusion. So that's why I was asking about the drug mess. I didn't expect them to come out and say, well, this is the stance that the movie takes on drugs. You know, it's, it's just that it's such a confusing issue to people, I think. But um, yeah, I mean, sure. It, and, and again, you know, really the only drugs that came up in this case were cocaine. Right. And it was more about the government funding something which they have already made illegal from, my, from what I understand. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We can debating the legality of drugs is a different issue and, and one that I suspect most people would not agree with me on uh, or, or most conservatives. Let's put it that way. Um, so uh, and then obviously there's the big theme, uh, I would say, from what I could tell, and you can you can corroborate this or not, of, of the free press. Like the free press is a vitally important part of any free society. And, and I from my understanding of watching the trailers and reading about this film and from hearing you talk, that's a big theme in this film. Is that correct? Yes, it was, but at the same time, the government didn't do half as much to come after Gary Webb and ruin his career as the other members of the press did. Mm. At large, the way it was represented in the film, the government clearly wanted to rattle Gary Webb, and the government was not happy with him. But then it was media outlets, nationwide you know, news outlets that were giving him a hard time. Other newspapers felt like they had been, uh, you know, like uh, blindsided by a story of the decade that they had n- knew nothing about, and so I think a lot of them were envious of Gary Webb. The way it was presented, it was clearly so at the beginning of the conflict because the Los Angeles Times was known for their, uh, you know, their their quality exposure exposure pieces. You know, they were known for. Um, you know, it's like tackling hot topics. So considering that they didn't even know about the issue, they took it uh, personally that they were not on top of this story. I see. Yeah. And, and, th- and such was the case by other national news outlets. So when Gary Webb was interviewed on national television, then he was misquoted. And then it was reported that the CIA uh, supposedly had not done these things. The CIA had no comment or when they publicly made a statement, you know, uh, people were saying that none of it was true. One news outlet would heavily influence all the others. So when one news outlet would report, you know, the government is now saying that Gary Webb is a complete liar who uh, just has, you know, extramarital affairs and he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, then what happened was, you know, peer pressure, came in and all the other news outlets decided to follow suit. So inevitably it was the, the media, whether intentionally or unintentionally 
abusing the story and the facts and not bothering to learn the true facts just uh, made Gary Webb out as the bad guy. Yeah, so it's in in some ways it's a pretty timely film because it feels like this sort of thing goes in, in spurts and fits, and we're we're certainly in a slump right now where it just feels like everything going on with the government is shadowy, and and, and you know we're dealing with a lot of garbage, and you know, uh, you know, <clears throat> basically, it it seems to have ramped up again even since nine nine eleven, where where you know government security and conspiracy kind of ramped up then, and it feels like we're coming back around to that. So I, I guess it feels very timely in that way, you know? Yeah, I would absolutely agree, and I think that lots of the critics have noticed that. So I don't know if it was uh, uh, purely coincidental. It's like you said, these things go in spurts and, you know, seasonal or annual or, you know, it happens two or three times a decade and people note, make, you know, note of it. So it just happened that they, they got the lucky strike and it, it's going on right now. Yeah. Do you know, I, I think you may have touched on this or addressed it somewhat as you were talking there, but do you know how true to life this film is? I know it's like based on a true story, obviously, of Gary Webb, but. Well, see, that's the thing. Uh, like I said, it was, the movie was based on a novelization of the true story and uh, I don't know if that author of the book knew the real Gary Webb, but um, uh, Gary Webb himself is actually credited as one of the screenwriters of the movie. Mm. So I don't know if uh, maybe the movie was based on some of his notes in addition to his articles. Uh, I don't know to what extent it was taken, but some report that there are um, embellishments. I have not bothered to learn what any of those embellishments are because I just don't care. The one thing I cared about was whether or not his original findings were true about the CIA and the you know the agencies and so forth. And those things were apparently true. Those were factual. Yeah. And, and so that mattered more to me than ultimately the stories about Gary, his wife, their you know fragile relationship. You know whether or not Gary uh, you know was able to keep his job at the Mercury News. Uh, those kinds of things just seemed ultimately irrelevant in the big scheme of things. And the entertainment value of the entire be film being so low as this film wanted to be more informative than it was entertaining. Right. I just didn't feel the need to fact check stuff like whether or not he ever stayed at a hotel for six months after. <laughs> right. he, you know, yeah. Who cares? A about spat that? happened with his wife. <clears throat> All right. So give us your final rundown and your star rating, man. Okay. Oh, man, I'm losing my voice. Can you hear it? It's all kinds of wrong. <laughs> no, I, I haven't heard anything unusual. All right, good. Uh, on my head. Except for when you had that coughing fit. The way the way I feel inside, it feels and sounds a little funny. Uh. So, Kill the Messenger, uh, I, I'll just give you my uh, bottom line. I think it, it, it is stilted between a compelling theme, performance, historical relevance, and a weak script with a collection of unsatisfying plots, subplots. Um, Jeremy Renner does everything in his power to make the moral outrage stand the test of time, and he did a good job. But that doesn't make up for the fact that the film's script was, on the whole, kind of weak, mm. in spite of what the the direction and the actors were able to bring to the film. So I'll, I'll give it three stars out of five. I think if you are interested in this part of American history, it's definitely worth seeing and, and uh if you are a Jeremy Renner fan, you cannot hurt yourself watching this film. It'd be a heck of a lot better than watching Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> so just to see this in its place. All right. Um, so uh, Rotten Tomatoes critic rating is a 75% audience rating at 78%. So not bad. 
Um, and and you would recommend probably seeing it, maybe. I would, and, soft and, but it's not it's not super urgent. Uh, you don't need to see it in theaters if you don't want to. If you don't want to drive a hundred miles out of your way, <laughs> yeah. like TJ, I, I yeah, I mean, I'll see it when it comes to town. But I, I certainly want to see it. But <clears throat> I have a feeling my star rating might be a little higher than yours. I'm not sure. It's hard to tell. All right, uh, anything else? No, no, that, that wraps it up. Thanks, All right, TJ, that was a different sort of experience on the movie bite podcast. I just didn't see that coming. Yeah, <laughs> no, week. I didn't either. Obviously, uh, next week is that a first? Is that the first time we've done? Well, this? I was trying to remember what episode it was, and I've forgotten what episode it was. It was. It feels like we've done it once or twice before. Where you watched a movie and I watched a different movie, and we talked. Oh, we yeah. each talked about it. I don't remember which movies those were. It, it was um, in the early days. It was in the early when days. we, were we young only did it the one stupid. time. So yeah. Anyway, uh, next week we're going to have Fizz on. Hopefully, he said he thinks he can make it. He, he can't commit for sure, but he's kind of planning on it. Uh, we're going to talk about Gone Girl, um, which I understand he's already podcasted about, but I haven't listened to because I haven't seen the film yet. Uh, but I'm going to see the film. I have just double-checked that it is not in limited release, and it is not, uh, obviously. So Gone Girl with uh, Fizz and you and me, it's going to be great. Um, so that'll about wrap up this uh, week's episode. Joe, where can people... Um, where can they stalk you and, and, you know, make sure that you're not pulling any of these CIA tricks and, and, you know, hiding things from people. Well, um, you know, here's my home address. No, um, let's not do that. <laughs> the apartment I'm staying in is no, um, yeah, you catch me on the internet. I am Joe Darnell. So on Twitter, look up underscore Joe Darnell. That's me. And if you want to check out my, my blog, it's intentional sensibility.com. Yes, and we, occasionally we about I do week. other things like podcasts. Yes, like today, <laughs> like once every few years. There's a movieology podcast too. So yeah, it's about one. Yeah, it's about a, a bi-yearly kind of thing, isn't it? Yes. So if you want to uh, follow me, even though I didn't have many opinions on this week's episode as far as the main review, but you might still want to follow me because I usually do have a lot of opinions about a lot of things. Uh, I am at TJ Draper Pro on Twitter. Uh, and I also write at moviebite.com uh, pretty much every day. There will be something out there that I write about. Uh, so you'll want to check out moviebite.com. If you want to find show notes for this episode, they'll be at moviebite.com slash mbpodcast slash 110. That's where you'll find the show notes and links for this episode to all the things that we talked about, information about the film that Joe reviewed, and uh, more stuff like that. Uh, and with that, that is it for this week. Uh, we thank you for listening. If you uh, are so inclined, run over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. We love those. And leave us a comment. And I, I check in on those every few weeks and see if there are any. So, uh, you know, we, we see them and we get them and feel free to do that. Uh, until next week, uh, you guys have fun at the cinema. We'll talk to you in a week. Good night.